Hey, Evangel family, well, welcome again to Church Online and uh, just a few more weeks and then we're believing that we're going to be able to be gathering back in person. Um, as many of you know, um, right now we don't have an auditorium to meet in and so that's part of the reason that we're meeting online. Um, but if we've not met, my name is Josh. I serve as the lead pastor here at Evangel and man, there are some exciting things happening in our Bismarck campus as well as in Garrison. Uh, and our everybody who's watching online uh, here in Bismarck, Joy House Coffee is going to open tomorrow. So we'll have actual business hours and you're free to come and experience Joy House Coffee and see the new building. Uh, also want to invite you to be a part of a dream team open house. Whether or not you want to serve on a team, maybe you just want to get back in, hear the heart of the church, get a tour of the new building. We have open houses that are happening uh, this weekend and next weekend and uh, you'll get some information about how you can join in each one of those open houses. Uh, I want to give you a new series today and a new message entitled The Father's House. And uh, this is not a series about a building. This is a series about what it means to be a part of our Father's house. It was in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus, as a teenager, told his parents, he said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house. So we know that Jesus was maybe talking about a place in that he was uh, having discussions in the temple, uh, but he was also talking about a posture. He was talking about uh, the dwelling place of his heart. And throughout the course of his ministry, he would operate as a child in his father's house. No matter where he went, the presence of God went with him and the identity of God went with him. I remember uh, when I was the young adults pastor here at Evangel, we went on a reach trip to Chile. And uh, we were down there and having a great time, and we met a lot of incredible people. And there was one night that we were all gathered in uh, one of the homes of the people who are part of the church. And as we were all sat around, we had a large team, we crowded into this, this living room. And uh, they started, they turned on some Chilean music and they started dancing. And I don't know if it was a salsa or what kind of a dance it was, but... Uh, they put their Chilean clothes on and the, the hat and they started dancing around the living room. And it was just a matter of time until somebody said, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh, do you have to dance? And I was like, no, no, you don't want to see that. That's not a good idea. Um, they're like, no, you have to dance. You, it's, it's fun. And, and when I'm sitting in somebody else's house, how do you resist a request like that and just say no when somebody is hosting you? And so... I finally got up, I put on the hat, and I danced, and it didn't go well, and hopefully there's no video out there of that moment in my history, but I remember being a part of that person's house and thinking, I should do this. They're asking me to do this, and I should honor them by doing that, and when you're a part of a house, when you're part of a family, uh, there are things that you take on that are a part of that family. Sometimes those things are positive, and sometimes those things are not positive. When you're in somebody else's home, uh, when you're sitting at their table, you ask maybe, hey, should I take my shoes off or keep them on? Or where do you want me to sit? And you're honoring the person who is hosting you. And I wanted to just talk to you today about what it means to be a part of our Father's house. And over the next couple weeks, what reassurances do we have by knowing that, like Jesus said, I, I had to be in my Father's house. What reassurances do we have But from knowing that we're a part of our Heavenly Father's house, that surely there is a day where Jesus will return, and the Bible says that he's gone and he's prepared a place for us. He says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
And surely there's that eternity that we look forward to, but also as a child in our Heavenly Father's house today, how does that change how we live? How does that change the things that we do? How does that change our demeanor as people who are alive on this earth today? What should that reflect? How should it be reflected in our lifestyle? We see a moment where uh, Jesus, as a member of his Father's house, is revealed in Matthew 3, verse 16, when the Bible says that Jesus was baptized, and immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, and behold, watch this, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. There's another translation of scripture in the NIV where it says, the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. I want to give you a message today entitled, he tells me who I am. He tells me who I am. And this is a message that a spiritual father passed some of the principles on to me. And today, as a leader in this house, uh, called Evangel, but also in God's kingdom, I want to pass it on to you and ask you to really live uh, as someone who is a member of your, fe- your heavenly Father's house. See, there were all sorts of questions about who Jesus was uh, when this story came to pass in Matthew 3. Uh, was he just a, a stone worker, a carpenter's son? Was he just John the Baptist's cousin? Was he just this uh, rabbi, this future rabbi or conversationalist in the synagogue. There was all sorts of questions surrounding Jesus, uh, who Jesus was, and it's not dissimilar to me and you. There's many times all sorts of questions surrounding who we are and uh, what we're going to be about. When somebody walks up to you, often one of the first questions they'll say is, what's your name and what do you do? And it's a question of identity. It's a question of who are you? And there's many questions about who Jesus was at this point in the story. And at the moment that heaven kind of opens up and God speaks about Jesus and about who he is, God could have said a whole lot of different things. Uh, God, could have son, God, God could have said, this is my son, the Messiah. And once and for all, it could have been clear who Jesus was. He had the, the voice from heaven declaring who he was, but God didn't do that. It could have been in that moment that Heaven opened up and God said, this is my 30-year-old son who's supposed to be the Messiah, but he hasn't done much yet. I'm wondering when he's going to get going on the mission that I have for him. But God didn't say that either. Instead, heaven opens up and God says, this is my son, whom I love, and with whom I am well pleased. And what's so amazing about what God says in that moment is that Jesus hadn't really done a thing at that point. Uh, He had not called disciples to follow him. He had not done miracles. He had demonstrated some wisdom in the temple and in the synagogues, in conversations where people were wondering. They knew there was something special about him. But anything that Jesus would have done that um, maybe earning uh, the identity that his father gave him or earning the affirmation or the affection that he heard from heaven in that moment, uh, any of the signs and wonders and miracles that we read about later, none of them had taken place. And so God's declaration, this is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased, was not based on what Jesus had done. It was based on who Jesus was and who the Heavenly Father called him to be. And it's out of that that God gave Jesus 
the incredible gifts that he gave him in the words that he spoke in those moments. This is such a, a, a message that just makes me reflect on last weekend on Orphan Sunday. And man, first of all, I was blown away because again, um, after asking you to give on Miracle Sunday, asking you to give for the Freedom Walk, somebody came forward and said, hey, we have $25,000 more that we will match towards Les Bois-la-Vie, towards the kids in Haiti um, who are, are looking for meals, who are trying to help give a better life. And they said, if the church will give, we'll match it. And you matched it. And I, I honestly was like, Lord, you got to do this. And you did it. And I'm blown away by the generosity of our church in caring for people who are in desperate need during these times. And uh, I, I just reflect on Orphan Sunday and just why it matters so much to us. And it really comes back to this story in Matthew 3. It's this reality that every child deserves to hear uh, a spiritual parent, a spiritual mom, a spiritual dad, or even a physical parent say, you are my son, you are my daughter, to have that identity. Every child deserves to hear whom I love. They deserve to know that they're loved. Every child deserves to hear mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, youth leader, uh, e-kids leader, say to them, I love you, I care about you, and express affection to them. And every child deserves to hear somebody say, and with whom I'm well pleased. And to know that not only do they have an identity, not only do they have affection, but they have your affirmation. That even before they were able to earn it or do anything to cause it, you're pleased with them. That they're just, they're good. Even from the very beginning, they're good. And I, I ask myself, why are we not doing this? Why do we not live this way? Why don't we give people that sense of identity? Why don't we establish it in the generations coming after us? Why don't we speak affection to one another? Why do kids, why are kids raised not knowing that they're loved, not knowing that they're peop there are people that care about them? Why, don't, why doesn't every teenager who's struggling have somebody in their life who repeatedly is giving them affection and speaking affirmation to them about who they are today and who God might want them to be and call them to be and give them the ability to be tomorrow. Like, where are we missing the mark? And I'm afraid that many of us are so distracted right now by the things of the world. They're distracted by things going on around us or any of us are, many of us are so emotionally deplete ourselves that we aren't able to take up our position and receive the identity and the affection and the affirmation of our Heavenly Father, but even more, not just to receive it, but to pass it on to the people around us and to let them know the identity that God has given them, the affection, the love that he has for them, and the affirmation that he showed when he said, you know what, I appointed my son to die for you long before the foundations of the earth. I cared about you so much and I saw so much value in you that I was willing to give everything, even knowing that you wouldn't serve me, even knowing there would be sin in your life. Why are we not communicating that message to the people around us? And man, I got to be honest, I'm so concerned about what I've seen, even from within our church over the last several months. I mean, I can hardly look at social media sometimes because of the way that we don't express these things. In fact, we express the very opposite. There's, it's like there's being revealed in us this lack of a godly identity, this lack of affection from our Heavenly Father. And when we're, we don't understand that we're loved by Him, it's hard for us to love the people that are around us. This lack of affirmation 
to people that are hurting, people that are sinful who, who don't know Jesus, and so they're living like they don't know Jesus. And we expect them to live differently without knowing the message of Jesus. And the church at times has become so critical. And at times we're so emotionally immature. And I look at some of the comments and the things that are being said, and I just say, Lord, we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten whose we are. We, we are willing to sacrifice our witness for Jesus over a cheap, petty argument on, on social media. And we forgot whose house we represent. And I want to remind you today that, that your Heavenly Father paid a price for you. He loves you. He's given you an identity. He's affirmed His calling in your life. Now live a life worthy of it. And seriously, for some of us, you need to get off social media. I'm asking you to stop it. Knock it off. And, and again, come back to who God has called us to be and the way that he's called us to live. Get back to the reality that God has called us to understand that we're his and then to take the identity he's given us and the affection and the affirmation he's placed and to give it to a world that's in need and a world that at times is in chaos and is hurting. See, we need to show the world the love of Jesus and instead we're getting angry and we're getting mean and we're getting petty and we're losing our witness. But I'm calling the church in this season to rise up, remember who you are, remember whose house you represent. And in this season, be the fragrance of, the fragrance of Christ to everyone who's around you. So come on, let's stop, let's collect ourselves. And let's, let's again establish our godly identity. Let's accept the love and affection that our Heavenly Father has placed upon us. And let's give affirmation to our grandkids and to our kids and to the next generation. Let's be, let's be spiritually mature in these days. And let's love the world that God has given us. Man, let's, let's build the kingdom of God, not tear it down over useless and petty disagreements. Man, if, I want to ask you to just for a moment think and realize how loved and cared for you are in your father's house. Think about the reality of who God is and how loved you are and how cared for you are right now in this moment, wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, you're known by him, you're loved by him, and you're cared for by him. In fact, John 17, 23 says that the world may know, this is Jesus talking to his heavenly father, that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you understand what Jesus is saying in that moment? He's saying that God the Father would show his love to you, a love that as extreme as it was for Jesus is equal in measure to how he loves you. Would you let them know that you sent me for them and you love them even as you loved me, that God the Father loves you and cares for you the way that he loved and he cared for Jesus. And we know this because in us, he takes these words, this is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. And that was not just a message for Jesus, it was a message for every one of us. And, and God today tells us who we are. He's looking at us and he's looking at you today and he's saying, this is my son, this is my daughter. He's, he's taking the identity that maybe you've had yourself and he's replacing it and he's saying, no longer are you lost, no longer are you your own, you were bought at a price. I paid everything for you. I gave everything for you so that I could adopt you into my family. And today I declare, this is my son, this is my daughter. I remember when my, my son was born, my first child. <laughs> I had to show everybody pictures 
You know, I, 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 would, I would say, this is, this is my boy. This is, this is Avery. Have you, have you met him? Have you seen him? And then I'd always say, isn't he the cutest kid you'd ever seen? And I, he probably wasn't, you know? Like, he's much more handsome today than he was then. What kind of a question is that to ask anyways? But I was so proud, and I was so excited about my boy. It's like um, when, when you're, you're cheering for your kid and they do something great and, and you're like, that's my kid, that's my daughter, that, they're, they're mine, I, I, I know them. And the great thing about God is before you ever did anything or achieved anything, God looked at you that same way and he said, that's my son, that's, that's my daughter. How amazing is it that God looks at us that way, that at the moment that you walk in the room, God looks and he says, look, look, that's my girl. That the moment that, that God sees you, he says, that's my boy. When, when you worship him, when you trust him, when you step out in faith, God nudges an angel in heaven and says, check out what my kid's doing right now. He, he, he sees you and he says, this is my son. This is my daughter. See, he made a decision to adopt us into his own family, to call us his own to give us an identity that was not of this world, as a citizen of this earth, but a citizen of heaven. And he's called us his children. And so come on, I want to I ask you today, I want to inspire you today to live and to act like King's kids, to recognize whose you are and to recognize what it means that, that your father is your heavenly father, all-powerful, almighty, yet loving and, and irrational, in his care and his attention for us. But God hasn't just come to claim you. The Bible also tells us that he pours his love on you. It's one thing to be a child. It's another thing to be a beloved child, to be loved by your heavenly father. And Jesus, God said to him, he didn't just say, this is my son. He said, whom I love. And I don't think the Bible says anything it didn't mean to say. And there's a reason that God didn't just say, this is my son. He said, this is my son whom I love. I, I was, from a young age, I, I heard a story, I can't remember where, maybe many of you have already heard it, but it was the story of the bridge operator, who every day his job was to go to work, and when the train would come, it was his job to lower the bridge so that the train could cross over, and there was one day that the train was coming down the track, and, and the, the, the bridge operator was, was ready to lower the bridge, and at the moment that he was ready to pull the lever, he looked down and he saw his own son playing on the tracks below the bridge, and he had a choice to make. He could either save the people on the train or he could lower the bridge and crush his own son. And that sounds like a terrible story, but it is the reality of how much God loved you, that when given the choice to save the world or to crush his own son, Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. He was bruised for our transgressions. God lowered the, pen the penalty and the punishment of all of our sin onto Jesus. He bore it on the cross. Why? So that you and I might cross over into his presence with forgiveness and with safety. Jesus is the bridge to our heavenly father. He said, there's no way to the father but through me. And it was through the crushing of Jesus. It was God's choice to, to allow his own son to be crushed so that you and I, so that, that we might be saved. That is how much God cares for us. And that's where the lengths that he was willing to go to express his love for every one of us. The, the crazy thought for me about all of this is that the Bible tells us God is love, that, that God is love. So, so in God saying, I love you, he's literally saying, all that I am is wrapped up in you. 
All that if, if God is love and he loves us, then all that he is is wrapped up in, in who we are, in the story that he's painting in our lives. And this is why he was willing to give everything for us, even his own son. And not only giving him, but giving him to a brutal death on a cross. Why? Because God is love and all that he was, he wrapped up in saving and setting apart his people. He said, I'm all in on you and I'm all in on redeeming you and saving you. But then God goes even further because he says to Jesus, yes, you're in my family and yes, I love you. And he says to us today, yes, you're in my family. I've adopted you in. Yes, I love you. I love you so much that I gave everything for you. But then God goes a little bit further and he answers one of the chief questions of the human soul and goes, yeah, I'm part of your family and sure you love me, but do you approve of me? Maybe that's a question that you've wrestled with with your own family or your own parents or your own way you were raised. Yeah, I'm a part of your family and yes, you love me, but do you approve of me? And God goes a step further and he tells Jesus, not only are you part of my family, not only are you my son, not only do I love you, but he says, with whom I am well pleased. And like I said at the beginning of this message, this was, Jesus hadn't proven anything. Jesus hadn't declared himself the Messiah. He hadn't, he hadn't called any disciples. He wasn't doing signs and wonders and miracles. Because it wasn't by doing those things that he gained his father's love. And it wasn't by doing those things that he gained his father's affirmation. It was simply enough that he was his father's son, that his father said, you're good from the start. I approve of you. See, for many, approval and affirmation were only given when you were successful, or maybe it wasn't given to you at all. You were only uh, used to being raised with a lot of criticism going on around you, and now you've taken that and you've transposed it on your heavenly father and said, I don't know if he approves of me. I don't know if I have to do a certain amount of things for God to affirm the way that I'm living or, or who I am. And uh, I think God is just critical of me. In fact, if I walked in the room and God was sitting there, he wouldn't jump up out of his seat and say, my, my daughter's here. No, he would sit there and he'd look at me and he'd begin to assess how I, and I, that's not who God is. He said, this is my son, whom I love, and with whom I am well pleased. And sometimes we're afraid to preach this because we think that if we tell people that God approves of them, that we're giving them permission to live in sin or to continue to live the way that we're living. And I'm not afraid of that because I think if you truly understand how much God loves you, who he's called you to be, and, and the affirmation that he has towards you, it will cause you to change your life. It will cause you to become a disciple and be transformed when you understand the love that the Father has for you and the calling that he has on your life. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Like, I am what I am. This is who I am. This is where I've come from. These are the things that I've done. And then he says this, God's grace to me was not without effect. And when, when we understand the grace of God, where he says, I am pleased with you. I love you. You're my child. Now come and live in my house. Come follow me. That grace of God will have an effect in our lives. It will transform us. And it will compel us to love him and to serve him more. See, it is not rules and religion that changes lives. Rules and religion can cause people to change their behavior. But it is relationship with God our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ that causes transformation. It is relationship with him 
that causes transformational change in our lives. After all, is it not the kindness of God that draws us to repentance? Is it not the grace and the kindness and the love of God that compels us to change? And I want you to know today that as a part of your father's house, he sees you and he's called you his own. He is... He wants to show you and even display to you today the affection that he has towards you. And today he's speaking to you and he's saying, I'm well pleased. And, and after that, the result is Jesus went out and he called disciples. And, and he did signs and wonders and miracles. And he had the confidence to move forward knowing that his father's hand was upon his life. And he literally saved the world. Because he had his father's identity and affection and affirmation. And as you lay hold of those things today, I believe that God is going to use you in ways that you cannot think or you cannot imagine. And it might take you looking into your life and and having to work through some things to fully understand it. But the more that you abide in the presence of Jesus, the more that you will understand the love that the Father has for you. And here's what I believe, that today if you're struggling, you say, man, I didn't receive affection, I didn't receive affirmation, I didn't receive a strong sense of identity. I wrestle in those things today. I believe that our Heavenly Father can give us the strength to forgive and move on from where we've been while also coming. And Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. He said in John 14, he said, I I will come for you. And we know that God is able to come now and fill in the gaps in our identity and in our sense of affection and affirmation. He's able to fill in the gaps that were left by people so that we might fulfill the calling that he has for every one of our lives today. And maybe you're watching right now and uh, you need to invite Jesus to come. You need to invite God to come and to begin to fill in those gaps. You need to say, God, I understand that in my Father's house there are many rooms and you're inviting me in. And today, more than a citizen of earth, more than the identity that I've formed for myself, more than the affection and affirmation that I seek from other people, Lord, I want to surrender to you I want to be your child, and I want to receive your affection and your affirmation. I want to hear it today. And friend, you can make that decision. Just simply call on his name, invite him to come, and God is speaking over you already. This is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love, and with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus, we surrender to you today. Lord, we declare and receive the reality that in our Father's house, he tells us who we are. And Lord, if there's been any identity or affection or affirmation that we've received that's contrary to your word, as we've sought these things in our lives, that we repent, we lay those things down. And Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak over us today. The things that you declare that are true about who we are and who you've called us to be. Thank you for your love. Lord, and thank you that your voice to us is not one of condemnation, but it's one that builds us up and sends us out in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise for it. Amen. Amen. If you want to make that decision today uh, to follow Jesus with your life, the Bible simply says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will step into that identity that he has for you today. And I hope you make that decision. So God bless you. Thanks for joining us this Sunday.